You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 9, episode 27. I'm John, uh, happy new year to our listeners, um, and as it's new year, we've um, got the old partner of John and Chris. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so lively, lads, um, but you'll be pleased to know we do have a new guest um, as we welcome along BT and Premier Sports commentator Rory Hamilton. Welcome, Rory. Thank you very much, boys. Happy new year, everyone. Yeah, happy new year to you. Um, yeah, a nice wee ending to or nice beginning to the year, I believe, with uh, the um, your first Premier League game in England. Yeah, yeah, that that was a that was a good bonus. Very, um, it's very nice of them to to ask me. It's you know that's really good opportunity to to do a game down there. I mean, it was quite an inventive um, New Year's Day for for BT Sport doing all all nine games in the English Premier League. So yeah, it was great, great to. Get given one of them, and uh, you know when you see the list of commentators down there that were that were doing some of the other uh, games, in uh, pretty good company. Yeah, good stuff. No, it's um, it's definitely well deserved. But how was the experience uh, itself? Um, you know, covering a, a game of that magnitude. Yeah, you know it was good. With I think with um, Leicester had been flying absolutely you know, flying high up at the top, and then they just had those setbacks. Uh, against Man City and Liverpool. So, you know, you wondered if that might take the gloss off them a little bit, but they, they were absolutely superb. The one, the one thing, you know, I hadn't been to St. James's Park before, um, and, you know, you, you want to see a ground like that in absolutely full voice in it, you know, unfortunately, because Leicester just passed them off the park. It, it, it killed the crowd very, very, very early on, and then they went down to 10 men, and, you know, the game was done by then. So it, it, it does mean that I've been to St. James's Park, but not really not seen it in, or heard it in its uh, in its true voice just yet. Yeah, no, glad you got, um, you got that opportunity. Um, just... For people that don't really know a lot about you, just um, talk about um, your journey into commentary, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I I, uh, I used to work in uh, on the sort of production side of things, so started out just doing some sort of weekend stuff for STV and uh, the old Scott Sport program. Uh, that was kind of my first. I then got a, a full time job with them, and then went over to Satanta um, when they had all all the um, Scottish football. Uh, and so that, that was really good, you know. That was you know cutting highlights and maybe doing the first little bit of interviews, and then getting involved in some of the live games as well towards the end, uh, where you're in that that live broadcast environment, uh, selecting replays and putting the right or sometimes the wrong things to screen. <laughs> um, uh, and, and from there, you know, with, with Satanta at the time um, going away, that that gave me a chance to go freelance which uh eventually ended up in a few a few commentary opportunities just almost by being in the right place at the right time rugby was actually the first uh first route into commentary that i, I got an opportunity to do and then um a, a few a few others uh came with football um mainly mainly with sky sports and then and then since that through spfl um their youtube channel stv and and now bt Mm-hmm. Excellent. Do you remember your first uh, um, rugby game and your first football game you actually commentated on? Uh, 
Uh, I, re- I remember my first rugby game was a, it was a game for, it was STV, had a rugby programme, and Edinburgh were at home to Connacht, and they absolutely battered them. I think it's maybe still their record win. I think they put 60 points on them. Uh, football. Football, I remember my first live broadcast was uh, Rangers up at our broth in the Scottish Cup, it would have been a, it would, you know, it would been a probably third, third, maybe even fourth round at that time, a sort of January game. Uh, that was my first live game for Sky, and Salim Kerkar scored. There's a name that uh, most will have probably forgotten. Um, but that, I mean, that, that was that's that's a great place to make your debut at, at Gayfield. It was a windy day, as you'd expect, with the North Sea just. Uh, just battering in on the wall behind you. I remember, you know, we had to. I spent days getting all my notes and things ready, and uh, of course, there's no cover at the top of the gantry. And five minutes before kickoff, of course, it starts absolutely hailing down. Uh, everything absolutely soaked, and we were because it was that windy as well. We we all had to get like uh, harnessed into the into the gantry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the glamour of TV. Yeah, I thought you were going to say your um, scripted uh, flown into the sea. That would have been some sight. No, I mean, it might as well have done. It was it was running that much that uh, I could I could barely read it. Um, and, and it's funny because because that whole top bit, a lot of people don't really realise. Uh, maybe not all commentators do it, but I I do. You know, when you when they come to you, teams in the tunnel and until kickoff, a lot of that is is scripted and and you, and you can just read off it. Uh, obviously, you need to to ad lib a little bit with with the pictures that you get but um that's probably a bit more scripted than people realize yeah yeah how much um preparation goes into um commentating matches because uh, i would assume that you don't just turn up and just um make up as you go along you've got to be very well prepared yeah no i mean i, I, I kind of I do take a lot of pride in that but also it's maybe because i don't have the greatest memory in the world so i do need to write it all down um so yeah i i, I do a lot um i would say probably before each game, you know, really just like focusing on it. Probably two days before, um, we get we get a stats pack through uh, from BT Sport, and I like I just like to condense that down. I do little cards on every player that you can then move about into formation, or if they're not selected, uh, then bits on sort of head-to-head stats and how they're doing in the season. But uh, you know, th- there are some games you use almost none of that. Um, I mean, you might mention that when somebody scores, it's how many goals they've got that season. But in good games, when there's there's loads going on, I'll I'll look down at my notes and I'd be like, well, I've I've barely used any of this. Uh, but it also it sets your tone. It means that even if even if I know that I've done Celtic for the last six weeks because I've done the Europa League and then we often select them uh, for live games in the league as well so that's probably a team that I cover the most um, so you know every player inside out but it still it just puts you into the mindset of that particular game and what it means to to both sides I guess uh, obviously you've got your scripting as, as well so um, yeah it, it takes time it, it, to be honest it's an ongoing thing which that, that just comes as part of my natural interest in football and Scottish football in particular. Like I'm I'm naturally interested in it. So I'm I'm reading about it on a Saturday night all the way through to you know Saturday morning the next week. I, like it's a natural interest that I've got in it anyway. 
that's that's good stuff. Um, so you obviously got um, thrust into uh, the BT gig um, in 2017, succeeding Derek Ray, who was also a very well-respected commentator. He was actually a former guest this podcast um, before I joined it. Um, so what was um, what was that like being asked to succeed such a man, and um, how yeah. did you feel about it? Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was, first of all, that is a real a real honour to Derek, somebody that's uh, he's always been really good to me, always somebody that I can st- you know still to this day I I ask him for advice. Um, he's uh, he's a, he's a top guy, um, brilliant commentator as well. So he pro- I would have thought he I would say he's probably one who I would uh, and I've never thought of trying to copy anyone's style, but I would say I'm I'm probably I feel that I'm most like him um it's hard to tell but um you, you guys have probably got a, a different opinion of that but um yeah yeah real honor to to even attempt to to fill Derek's shoes he's he's got that much experience um but but as i say that's um i had i've had you know good mentors throughout and uh, uh ian crocker as well uh, at sky absolutely you know a guy i really really look up to uh, there's been a great help and and one of the other first contacts that I got uh when I was at Sky was uh Martin Tyler as well and and he he always he one of the first bits of advice that he gave me was don't take on too much advice you know be your own man don't don't try and copy others because you'll you'll fall into their shadow and just be labeled as somebody that's trying to copy them so you you just need to go about it your own way and and hope that your way is good enough that's certainly a good apprenticeship, um, you know, learning from from these guys. Um, in years gone by, was there any commentators um, that you know that that put you in the mid for saying I fancy myself as a commentator? Uh, there probably were, but uh, subconsciously, um, because I don't think until I was really in broadcasting and probably fairly well on into it. So you know covering live games uh in the in the trucks and things like that uh i didn't really realize that it was an attainable position to get um that, that you could go out and and commentate on games i, I don't know where those guys came from but <laughs> i certainly didn't think of myself as as getting a route into it when i look look back at um probably uh what set set it in in my own head the sort of early growth of that probably listening to um guys like bill mclaren um growing up i still think he's he's the best ever uh for any sport um and a, yeah, a voice that just just rings out when you when you think of so many sporting memories i, I would completely agree with you on that one um bill mclaren and murray walker as well one. yeah yeah, not not much of football, funnily enough, but they're, they're the two kind of they're they're the, basically the voices of their sport. So also rugby and F one, um, football. There's so many commentators. Um, obviously in Scottish football, we're used to the likes of Derek Ray. Um, I was lucky enough to be on the podcast that he was on um, six years ago now, um, and it was, it was one, still talking about how it was one of the best podcasts I did because he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. I think. Um, <laughs> And uh, Ian Crocker, obviously, there's another name you mentioned there, and uh, we got a lot of English football here as well. So, like some Martin Tyler, yeah, you, you've probably rhymed off the the best that we've got. I mean, the the, the other name that would come to mind for me would be Archie McPherson. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, I was growing up 
I was lucky enough to uh, work with Archie uh, and just in that very early role uh, I think it was I think I worked with Scott Sport for uh, about three years and and that is one where you, you do you, you step in in absolute awe of the man <laughs> um, just uh, Arthur Monford as well I was I was lucky yeah. enough to to meet him and you know that went back to probably really an era that before I I really realized it at the time um, but but you're aware of just how how big these guys are as as figures in in Scottish sports broadcasting. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you've framed off um, a good few commentators there. But uh, what about the the pundits that you've been working with? How have they helped you settle in um, to you know so you can establish yourself um, nice along at BT and, and of course Premier Sports. Yeah, yeah. Well, and because we've we've worked quite well in tandem that um, we managed to, to sort of share share. Uh, those figures which is which had worked I, th- I think really well it's a it's a really good team uh, that um grant phillips has put together at at, uh, at bt and there's a there's a really good atmosphere amongst amongst the group that uh you know ev- everybody's equal and you know uh starting out probably probably a little bit intimidated going in and and meeting guys like chris sutton but uh you know chris has been great and i've i've traveled away with him um there's it's incredible how well prepared he is because Chris works eight days a week. It's unreal. He's he, he's going from game to game to game, and wherever he turns up, he's he's clued up. He knows exactly what he's talking about, and I I I knew that quite early on. Obviously, you know you go through all all your prep, and particularly in the early days, you you know you really want to make sure that you've got everything sorted. But I realised it straight away because. Chris, Chris would test. He would really test to make sure that I'd done my homework, um, be it live or or beforehand. And I appreciated that because it, it made me make sure that hopefully I knew my stuff. And um, Stephen Cragen is is another one I get on really well with um, with Craig's on and off uh, camera. Um, he's uh, I feel like he's kind of taken that role. On his on his own, he's 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 made a really good job of it. Um, Ali McCoist is Ali McCoist. There's there's a, not a nicer man you will meet than than Ali, and uh, probably uh, yeah, Michael Stewart, of course. Michael Michael's a good friend, and I've worked with Michael um, uh, since working with Premier Sport before. I, I actually joined BT, and we used to go go across and and do games in Dublin um, for for many a year uh, so had some, had some good times with him and it, it's good that he he still still manages to break away from the sports scene studio and, and do some games with us just talking about um Sutton is he as big a wind up merchant um off screen as he is on camera yes yeah <laughs> yeah um it's almost like he, he sort of thrives on that whole environment um yeah it's not it's not it's not put on <laughs> i don't get before it says it's put on um, but he's uh, yeah he he knows he knows how to wind people up that's for sure but but he, he knows as well when he when he needs to be serious about things he, and I think you can, I think you probably see that mainly um, when it comes to the European games and I, I feel like that's that's when you know Chris really comes into his own he's he's really really switched on for for those sorts of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, the one question I'd have. Um, 
is obviously there's a there's an obvious difference between the way you would commentate on a domestic game and the way you would commentate on a European game because there's you know that you know your audience is going to be majority sort of favouring the Scottish side when they're playing in Europe as opposed yeah. to the domestic side where you're trying to be the bit more neutral. Um, do you do you find that something you quite enjoy being able to do? Do you think it's a bit freer because well, if you, you do a majority of sort of Celtic games, so you're, you're yeah you've got Chris Sutton next to you who will. Cheer on Oliveri and Jam winner. Um, <laughs> I, had to, I had to hold him back. He was off down to the front row, the front row of the Stadio Olimpico at that moment. <laughs> I think we all were. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I, I, I was in Paisley at the time, so I was going to way to Stadio Olimpico. I've always, um, like, I've always championed whichever Scottish team is is playing in Europe. Like, I, I, I want them all all to win. So you almost you almost are you're not not like a fan at that stage because but I've 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 gone to countless grounds when Scottish teams have been in Europe and and just I just turn up and and buy a ticket and 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 you want them to win as as much as any team that you've you've seen before. It's very different, obviously, for domestic football. I I I can honestly say that I I don't there's there's not. A team that I want to win. When you when you're sort of working in broadcasting, you want you want stories to develop, uh, and you want drama to happen. Sometimes the same team winning time after time after time, it becomes predictable. So therefore, it's it's not as interesting if if therefore you know a smaller team takes the lead. That that becomes a level of excitement. Um, but you also need to you, you've got to be completely completely neutral. During during domestic games, of course, and and I would still say that for European games, I, I would still call things, you know, if there's although it's probably more for for the co-commentator um, <laughs> to say make a judgment on a yeah. tackle or a penalty or whatever, but I would still you still need to see that as team A versus team B rather than the Scottish team versus the uh, the European opposition. Um, but you'll you will comment probably on the consequences of that decision from the Scottish team's perspective. Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so so it's it's not a case that you'll be hoping the Scottish team is going to score a late winner. It's just if they do score a late winner, you'll be it'll be evident in your voice <laughs> of your delight. And then well, well, a late late winner also adds in the fact that it's the dramatic end of the game. So um, yes, I think we get yeah, everything say, certainly and, and against Lazio. Yeah, the Titanic yeah. mate theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that favourite meme. Yeah, my duet with Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, cause, I mean, if, well, if that goal's up the other end and, you know, of course that, that's not such a, a euphoric moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are there broadcasting for a, a well, it's a, yeah, it's a British audience, but you know that probably ninety ninety percent of the people that are listening are Celtic fans. But it's yeah, there needs to be a, there's got to be a degree of professionalism about it, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, one of us kept that. Yeah, it's funny because um, when this podcast first started, we're our ninth season now, um, it, was, it was Craig uh, who runs the, the website and um, it was Laurie Dunster who's now yeah. on uh, Hearts TV. He's the, he's the commentator there. Um, and he, what he 
I've, I've listened to some of his commentaries. I'm not, I don't subscribe to um, Hearts TV because I'm not a Hearts fan, but I have heard some of his commentary as well, especially from like, Edinburgh Derby's. Now, we know he's a Hearts fan and he's doing it for the, the in-house broadcaster, but even he tries to maintain a level of, of professionalism um, yes. in, in, in that scenario. So, I, I mean, I've always given a lot of credit for this, that he, he's always managed to do that. So it's it must be difficult to do when you do have that... Um, You've got obviously you've got your own feelings towards the game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know who you would, would be uh, a supporter of. Um, but it's certainly, I, I don't think it's ever come across as being any bias towards any one team and uh, any commentary I've, I've heard in, in the time you've been doing. No, uh, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd like to think that, uh, that you know, whoever, whichever Scottish team uh, was playing at that moment, be it if it was Aberdeen, Rangers, Hibs, Hearts, you know. Killy, you know whoever whoever was playing in Europe at that stage, if 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 they were to get a winner against Lazio or well, you know another 90th minute winner, because obviously Christopher Julian did it at Celtic Park as well. Yeah. Um, then then I I would be as excited as I was for that. Oh, okay, I, I would imagine you would be. Um, I, th- I I think it's probably just credit to you. I, I, the, the point I was trying to make there is I couldn't possibly guess who your favourite team would be. Um, yeah. It, it's have? something as well that it, it, it's because uh, I've done a few interviews before, and it's it's almost one of the first things that, that you get asked, and I I don't really see any point in uh, in divulging it only because it 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 would it would then allow people to imply that you can't be impartial, <laughs> that there is a bias, yeah. uh, and and I honestly like you, you do turn you ha- you have to turn up to games thinking what does this mean to each team. Not what does this mean to me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I get why you're um, sitting in the fence um, from a professional point of view. I mean, we all know that. I mean, there are commentators out there who they don't mm-hmm. necessarily hide to the support. Like Derek is an example. I mean, most yep. people know he's a big Aberdeen fan, but that doesn't yep. come across at all in his commentaries. Um, but no, it's good to it's good to know that you're um, you know maintain professional because it is important. Because obviously, modern day scenario. Um, you know, whatever you say, people are going to say, "Ah, oh, he's really that. He's really that." So, oh yeah, but, uh, people will always have their opinions as well. I mean, because mm. I've been in broadcasting now, whew, it must be like twelve years or something. I'm not sure exactly. Something like that, maybe a wee bit longer. Um, and of course, then you're working. You're working every Saturday. The only times that I get off because I, at the time, uh, no one that I worked for had Scotland games, and I'd, I've gone. Scotland home and away for the last probably 12 years so that's that's when I'm a fan so if I did a Scotland game I might struggle to be neutral (laughs) well if Scotland um, do qualify for Euro 2020 um, would you love the call from STV if they were looking for a commentator for their games because obviously BBC and ITV get the the Euros um, and STV I'd imagine would look for some Scottish commentary yeah, I mean, well, I'd, I'd I'd love to be asked. I've been waiting for nineteen nine uh, since nineteen ninety eight though to go to a major tournament, and when you travel home and abroad <laughs> with with not much to celebrate, I want I want to be there as a fan. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but do, to commentate get... on on Scotland at a major tournament would would be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'd also like to yeah. be able. Because I, I mean, I've got a bunch of mates that that we've we've travelled to all parts of Europe watching Scotland and uh, 
and you know you also want to spend it with them. Yeah, that's true. That 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 that'd be um, such a difficult choice for you um, <laughs> to give up that opportunity to then commentate on it. It's um, nice nice problem to have if it came on, but we we'll need to qualify first. Yeah, and I, yeah. Hope, I hope like you that um, exactly. I'm in the stands too. Yeah, so going back to the um, BT stuff, um, we've talked a wee bit about um, you know the pundits who were just what's the overall the camaraderie with the staff. Like, it's not even just the pundits, you know, you've got Emma Dodge, your um, your touchline interviewing, and the production staff. Is it just all what what we seem perceive as one big happy family? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I actually went to school with Emma. She was she was um, she was at school in Helensbury with me, um, so I've known her for long, long time. Um, but it, it, I mean, it really is. The, the, it sounds funny, but you, you'll possibly seen it from the the Facebook lives that they've they've got their Winnebago, and that's where everyone kind of meets up and sits and and chats beforehand, uh, before you go on air. And you know, because you, you've got probably I think it's about four hours between, maybe three hours uh, between on air and and your sort of arrival time. So there's there's a dinner and and chat, and that that's when so much of um, so much of the ideas come to the fore is just during that couple of hour chat uh, before before we go on air, and it, it, it really is a it's a it's a good atmosphere. There's a lot of opinions in there, as you can imagine. Because um, I didn't make mention Alec Ray before, but you know all these guys that that come in and the, and they, they very quickly become a a part of it all. Was it your idea um, to suggest that Stephen Craig and Slade tackle Chris Sutton at Fur Park? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was really early on in my time, so I was just uh, I was just trying to keep quiet at that stage. Um, but yeah, that was a bit of an iconic moment. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Talk about your early stages. Um, you you were obviously picked to, um, to front Scottish football. Um, at that point, you get the League Cup and the the league matches, um, but. Um, you didn't get Celtic Champions League matches. Was that because at that stage it was still a bit early in your development um, before you get thrust into big European games that you are now and doing well with your voice in? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, th- I think at the, at the time that's absolutely the right call. I think it would have been early for me to to throw myself into. I mean, what was their group at the time? Was that the Man City group? PSG, um, mm-hmm. PSG, yeah. and who was P- the other teams? And the uh, and Bayern, yeah, that was it. Bayern, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, th- I think, I think that was a that was a, a good call. Um, just, just to at, at that stage, I'd, I'd probably. I mean, at Sky, I mean, I probably I've maybe done thirty live games for them. I think to be thrown into those games might have been might have been a bit much. So, you know, it was. Um, and and Rob McLean uh, did those games. Absolutely class operator as well. So. Uh, I, I didn't didn't have any any problems with that at all. I think I think it it really helped my development to to stick with League Cup and League and and try to progress from there. And and when you when you get in those big games, it's it is still it is a different mentality that you're that you're broadcasting to. It's um, I think it would have been too early in my in my career for it. But you, you never know. You you never know until you're thrown into them. And thankfully, since then, because uh, I think once once they once they dropped into the Europa League, and I went over and I did the game in St Petersburg, so that was really the first big European game uh, that I did. Which I mean, the home game was brilliant, and you you get the big moment of uh, Callum McGregor 
getting the goal that gives them a 1-0 lead and then Celtic really capitulated over there. Um, but uh, that was a fun trip over to Russia as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you want to explain more? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely certain aspects that I can. We've got one there then, we Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, what was it like having your first uh, Old Firm game and in a cup final? Yeah, yeah. I presume it, that it, was your first firm game, sorry. It, it, it wasn't, but uh, that's uh, that's in no way down to poor resource because the first one that I did uh, was 2012 uh, at Ibrox, and I think it was I think it was the second it was the last one at Ibrox before Rangers um, got demoted. Uh, and they won three nil. Andy Little, I think, scored the third. And I did it for three uh, D when uh, when broadcasters were still sort of trying to go down that road. It was three uh, two. Was it three? Oh, of course, so it was. No, it was three two because it was that, that brief moment when Thomas Rognack scored yes. as the second goal, and I yeah. was in the stand behind the goal for the, the Celtic end, and I looked around just for a little moment. There was worry in three stands. Because <laughs> Celtic Rangers went to Ibrox could win in the league that day if they yes. won. Yeah. Um, and Rangers were able to stop that. Uh, so three 0 up and Celtic. They were three 0 up. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. They were three 0 up. I think Celtic had gone down to nine men by that point. I think so. No, yeah. they'd went down. They'd went down to ten men earlier in the game. Yeah. Um, and Rangers were just to ten men by that point because was it Bock and Edgar? Yeah. Um, yeah. Conceded the penalty. Uh-huh. Um, so then that pulled it back to three one, and then it was a. Second goal for Thomas Ogner header yeah. in like the ninety third minute or something like that. And it was just a brief moment where the Rangers fans all went, oh, oh, oh. You can't possibly do this now. And then they checked the clock and went, That is not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but to go back to your you know, asking about the Betfred Cup final there. Uh I mean that 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 did get that felt like the, the first first one that I did. Uh and it it was that what a crazy game that was. I mean there's there's no way that that really Celtic should be winning that on the balance of play. Rangers, Rangers had everything. Mm-hmm. Quite impressed, with the, really impressed with the way that they dominated it, and they they, they backed it up um, in in the league meeting. Just just gone there, we got a, a bit of revenge. But you know, Celtic have just got that that winning mentality when it comes down to the crunch. Even though they they didn't really perform, uh, you know, they still still got over the line. So it, it's doing a game like that is is superb, and it. it it tests you because there's no way you can prepare for really anything that that comes your way in in games like that. It's just you, you've just got to go in with it and, and trust trust a lot of your judgment and and what you think you've seen at the time, uh, and hopefully that hopefully the words come out right as well. Yeah, I mean that cup final and all the the European games at Celtic, but you must be running out of superlatives for Fraser Foster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think I'd used the Great Wall bit before. Obviously, you got that from the, the, <laughs> the Barcelona game. Yeah. Or maybe I'd said it in one of the was it the Lazio home game maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean he is he's just unbelievable. I, that 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 stage of the season, you're thinking that's that's potentially the difference. Not, I mean Alan McGregor's unbelievable, but I, I think Fraser Forster coming in at Celtic at that stage, you're thinking you know that that's that's certainly one trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. And absolutely, and, and certainly the European run as well. Whereas McGregor, McGregor on the other side as well. You know his European performances, barring was it the, the last minute over in um, Bern, mm-hmm. uh, 
one one kind of slip through, but I mean he's been absolutely outstanding as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's just a sh- I mean we we spoke about this last year um, when the TV contract came up and BT's obviously been proving very popular. It was such a shame to see that um, they'd been outbid and I seen that you put in Twitter at the time that you'd written to your bosses to beg them to put in that little bit more to try and get Scottish football because you were so popular. Um, I know you've also got the Premier Sports gigs for the Cups, um, but just summarise how how disappointing a day that was because we were certainly gutted um, when we did the podcast that night. Yeah, yeah, I remember I was uh, I was coming back from uh, Albania in the Scotland game over there, and I was just walking. I'd, I'd got the I think it was like a uh, the flight two flights stopped over in Stockholm and then fly back to Edinburgh, bus back, tube to Hillhead and then walking up the road and that was when it's, it sort of broke at that stage so I mean yeah that, that's, that's that's a huge huge disappointment because it's been so good we've had well I've had I've had a great two and a half seasons and the rest of the guys have, have been going a good few longer than that because there were a lot involved um, before as well with ESPN so it's been a, it's been a really good team that they've put together um, and a real shame that uh, that it the timing, the timing was was really poor uh, from you know the bids bid coming in when it did, and uh, but you've you've just got to move on. You've got to be quite malleable with this. It would have been brilliant to to get another three or five years out of it, and it, but but what this these three years have done is that they've they've given me a really good grounding and and an experience in the industry, which hopefully means that that I can I can go on and and keep my career going the way it is and with Premier taking over the, the both cups doing the Scottish Cup this year as well then it, it gives me a, it gives me a chance to keep my hand in and uh, and hopefully there's hopefully there's more things to come but yeah that, that was a, that was a that's quite a, a tough time um, and I, I, I've always I've always just thought I, I, I do think when you look at the numbers going around for other leagues, I, I do think that there's a lot of value in Scottish football, and I, you know, you, you just want it to to kind of be reflected. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. Um, but I mean, the Premier Sports gig um, that you're doing, um, how did that, how did that come about? Was it just a simple case of um, they got the Scottish Cup and asked the question to the production team if you'd be interested? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I've got a really good relationship with Premier. I, did first did a game for them was maybe about six years ago hearts against man city and uh, a pre-season friendly and that that was a call that just came out of the blue and since then i've done a lot of european football uh with them um and so just kind of when we did the the challenge cup as well and i presented that michael stewart and i sort of did uh comms co-coms and uh and the the punditry at halftime and and the pre-match and stuff as well. So that so I've I've always had a really good relationship with them and I, I uh, do the Pro 14 rugby for them as well. So it yeah it felt it seems like quite a quite a natural fit that we just just continue that on. Um, you're probably fed up with me asking questions and um, just to make sure John the other John's still alive. Is anything that you want to add to this? John Lawson. <laughs> Uh, just on the subject of uh, the covering the Newcastle Leicester game and the difference in terms of set up compared to Scotland, what was the comparison like? In terms uh, of scale? 
Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, because because it was one of nine games that day, and so they were doing their hub all around BT Score, so it didn't mean that uh, everything was on site. Whereas when we go to a game, obviously, you know, Daryl's there, like the whole team is there. So in, in that sense, it was actually uh, a little bit smaller. Like, I mean, I went in and met the director and the PA and the production manager. And then it was all a bunch of the the camera guys that do all the Scottish games, because obviously it's, it was the furthest north. So I yeah. think all the Scottish crew were at Burnley and Newcastle. Um, so it was, it was all just a bunch of guys that I know, and I've worked with John Hartson before, so it was it was good to do the game with him. That that's quite an easy, um, easy guy to go in with, a very familiar face. So um, yeah, I first worked with John uh, back when he was he was at Satanta as well as a as a pundit. So uh, I've known him for for many years. So in that sense, I mean, I think you I think you appreciate when you're you're seeing the players arriving, and you appreciate that yeah, it's a it's a step up. Um, in terms of spectacle, definitely. I, I don't know what the viewing figures were for a game like that, but you know, if, if you're doing Rangers Celtic Cup finals and you're doing big Europa League games, then yeah, it's 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 up there with that that kind of level, I'd say. And then, how do you feel in terms of the whole VAR situation? Obviously, there's kind of some calls been up yeah. in Scotland. Obviously, yeah. in England, it's not going so well. No, it's, uh, but it, it seems to be in other leagues that they've had their their seasons to tweak it and get it right, and the teething problems. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure England have implemented it the way that maybe they could have learnt from the other leagues. Um, but I mean, they'll, they'll get there. I, I I always thought I was always adamant that they that big decisions. You should make certain of it because I, I see how it works in other in other sports. If you were looking at it from this season's point of view with the English Premier League, you'd go, "No, this is this is a disaster. There's, yeah. It's ruining so many moments." But I, I I don't put that down to the technology. I think it's the implementation of it. Uh, I think they can they, you can get that better. You can get it functioning uh, slicker. And and at the end of the day, you want. Do you want the right calls? It's it's coming at a time when they've they've altered the handball rule as well, which to me just it seems way too definitive. It, it's like anything that anything that touches a hand must be must be given. And uh, I, 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 they talk about unnatural positions and things like that. I think I think that their position that they want you to defend in is unnatural <laughs> because you yeah. need to move your arms. You can't. Nobody, nobody's going to defend with their hands behind their back, are they? You fall over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, we've spoken in the podcast that pretty much since uh, VR came out down there, the weirdness that they've not really, the referees don't need to check the TV themselves. They're just yeah. going on to the, the basis of what someone else is saying. Whereas the World Cup and stuff like that, I think even the Bundesliga, the referee goes over and has a look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in the World Cup, I'd, I felt that they got a few wrong, but it was very early stages of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of used to it because I... I, they use it in rugby and they have for for absolutely years so whenever there's something contentious you know they they'll they'll go over and, and do it and it, it works it works in other sports for me so I, I think with a little bit of time football will get it right but you don't you, you can't kill those moments because there's nothing there's nothing like a goal going in and, and just that yeah. euphoria that it gives you 
but yeah. I, I I didn't I didn't get any in my Newcastle uh, Leicester game. So, that, no, but there were a few times because because we were hooked up to we couldn't hear the 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 referee himself, but we could hear the VAR referee in Stockley Park. So when when he was wanting to if if something happened, you would just hear in your ear amongst all the other things that you're getting, but you would hear we're just having a check for that or check is over. Uh, but again. I'm used to that because we for for the for the Pro 14 we we get the the full ref mic in your in your ear all the time. Well, you're the ideal person to ask about. So, why do you think it's implemented so well in rugby, but yet football is maybe struggling with it? Is it due uh, to the referee being able to speak and be on the mic? Communicate yes. with fans. Yes, it, and and TV can take that as well. So. You get a very clear explanation to the players and the referee, um, players and fans, well, listening fans, obviously not those at the ground, but they can also view, they can view the footage on the big screens. Um, why doesn't it? I think, I think it is beginning to work in football. I just, I just think that England's maybe a little bit behind just because they're, they're a year late in, in adopting it and have tried to do it slightly, slightly different. I think, I think it, it's inevitable. You have to get these big calls right, and that is the way of of doing it. Um, whether it needs to be to the absolute nth degree, like you're seeing it with the offsides and things. And I think I'd, I, you can you can maybe see a challenge system like you get in tennis. I've, I've yeah. always thought because there's been loads of goals that the defence aren't even appealing, and it can be like three four passes before, and you're going, you know, really if if his armpit's offside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was a situation as well and was it Saturday Man City played Port Vale and Aguero scored and he kinda of waited to celebrate because he wasn't quite sure if he was gonna be called. Yeah, see <laughs> so you, you don't want that. Uh I mean that's 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 what those are the moments that you go to the football for. Is yeah. for limbs flying everywhere. I was going to say orgasmic moments are almost orgasmic. Don't buy the Chris Sutton again. <laughs> you mentioned in rugby that they obviously view the. Um, I think one of the reasons why I think it works in rugby um, or part of the reason is because they do show on TV why that that try was given, you know, etc. Whereas in football, they don't show that in the big screen. Now, I know there was um, something in the big screen back in 2010 Argentina-Mexico where they accidentally showed a replay of an offside goal and the referee realised, oops, I've got that wrong, but VR's not implemented yet. But do you think maybe if they did put that into football, it would work a bit better? Or do you think football's not got that mentality at this moment in time? Uh, what I have... I mean, from I the fans' point of view. Yeah, no, I know. I remember being at Hamden a few years ago, and it wasn't the Iwalumu one, but that one also, you know, stands out because he famously looked up at the screen. Uh, but I remember because they had it for a few seasons, and and they showed the replays on the screen, and I I used to, I would find myself almost almost watching the screen instead of the game, and that you're going, yeah. oh, no, no, the, the, it's happening right in front of me. Why am I looking at that big screen up there? Maybe for if it goes to VAR, maybe that's when it is. They are slightly neglecting the feelings of the fans in the ground. It suits those watching on the TV. Uh, it suits the referees because they get a, or a referee gets another look at it at the moment. Um, but those in the ground just see VAR check 
and then it goes green or red, no goal, goal, which I, I think is a bit unfair on the the supporters who are actually in attendance. It's so almost they, a penalty that you're fact like you're being penalised for being in the game because you're missing <laughs> something that everybody else is getting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it does tend to get explained quite well. I mean, so I stayed up and watched the the NFL the other night, and of course, because you get the referees, I always find it fairly comedic. But them, them standing in the middle of the pitch and big speakers out to the uh, out to everyone in the stands. I don't know if I can imagine that in football, but you know, something that that explains. Yeah. <laughs> 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 was I not talking as well at one point about um, they wouldn't bring in the referees being mic'd up because of the language of the players? And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, like I've, I've kind of just because I've got a background in in both sports and it works, it works really well in rugby. You can hear the explanation of decisions, and yeah, maybe maybe they're not treated in the same way as as a rugby referee would be and and the language might be a problem but you know maybe maybe use that as an opportunity to uh to to increase the the respect level shown towards referees you know if 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 something's being picked up on a microphone that then goes to air then you know that's not acceptable and it's very obvious to everybody listening uh you know maybe then people start behaving a bit better I don't know <laughs> I try and get it to the stage whereby it's just a captain that can talk to a referee well, as yeah, opposed yeah. to all the players crowding around him yeah yeah I do, th- I do think we can we can show referees a bit more bit more respect they do have a they do have a tough job yeah 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 definitely I mean, it's worth remembering that what, there are rules against using foul and abusive language in the, towards the official specifically yeah, it, it, it and it might be an opportunity to bring it, it in very often. exactly and it might be an opportunity to bring it in if, if they make up the referee and it's more audible for the players to be caught out then they can again be caught up on it and yeah. given a, a caution or, a, or even a red card I mean, it's not a game was it a mother well, player get sent off I think for abusive language yeah. few years ago yeah Week. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't happen often at all. But you're you're well aware of of the language that goes on. But I mean, I, I used to find it because I grew up and on a Saturday morning I'd play rugby and then Saturday afternoon I'd play football, and I was a completely different character on both fields. <laughs> 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 Just because in one game you could get away with behaving differently. <laughs> Yeah, we'll move on a little bit talk about um, some of the football that was on um, over the weekend. There was obviously no Premiership action because um, they're on their um, winter break, but uh, in the Scottish Championship, Dundee United uh, winning again um, away from home. They didn't extend their lead for a change because Inverness also won, they won away at Dundee United. Um, but probably the most peculiar event of the weekend was not only Morton winning away from home, which has only happened for the second time this season, but they then put out a pretty weird tweet um, saying that they were going to block people who were abusive and then invited people who they blocked to come to a question and answer thing <laughs> it's like that was a bit of a PR disaster gone wrong interesting <laughs> uh, if any of the people actually take the, the chairman up on it or the, not the chairman but the social media guy up on it and actually go and speak to him yeah uh, so, I mean it's always good to have, a, have an open forum like you say it'll be interesting if, if, if they take them up on it yeah, maybe one of those things that they 
Um, Keyboard warrior situation. They're all right to do it online, but will they do it face to face? You know that way. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. I think but, some Morton fans were um, a wee bit miffed at the fact that they said it was a great result going to Arbroath and winning. I don't see what was wrong with that, but never mind. Arbroath <laughs> have been pretty good this season so far, so uh, and given Morton's away form as well, it's, uh, you would expect that to be a good result. It's a good result for where they are in the league as well. Yeah. Because it puts them right in the mix, even in terms of, what well, another win they could be up to fifth place. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's tight league. from fifth down to tenth, isn't it, the, the championship? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I was going to say it's always an exciting division, the, the championship. Um, maybe less so right at the top, given Dundee United's massive lead. Um, but again, um, Dundee United kicked off the season they get in the, the League Cup live in BT Sport against Hearts where uh, Lawrence Shackner took about five minutes to get scored in his debut it's like the biggest the the, the smallest surprise ever I mean <laughs> he, he is, he's unreal and, you know it's not just because he's not only done it at the team that is top of the league and should be top of the league but his, his record at Air United he's, he's, he's basically a goal a game for the last two and a half seasons it's unbelievable or is it three and a half seasons I mean, it's, yeah, two and a half, I think. Just incredible record. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. getting Scotland recognition as a as a championship striker as well. I think John McGinn got it when he was uh, obviously a midfielder but at St Mirren. Yeah. But, um, uh, to do it, or was that when he was at Hibs? Oh, at Hibs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but to do it, I mean, there, there aren't many that come out the, the championship and get in the national team. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not so tight at the top in the, the championship, but um, in League One it's definitely a bit tighter because you've got six points separating five teams. Um, it's five teams now because Montrose went into the top four by beating his five. They're ahead of them by a goal. Um, and Wraith are two clear of Airdrie and three clear of Falkirk. Um, that's shaping up to be an interesting battle. Uh, yeah, the, 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 I saw... Um... I saw an article this week that was saying it was an eight-way title race. I'm not, I'm not sure <laughs> that uh, 16 points between them, but the top top five, top five looks looks really good. And the, yeah, that's a, that's good clubs in there that will be looking to get back up into the championship. That's a, that's a decent fight. I mean, I mean, it means Falkirk. You feel got to bounce straight back. Wraith Rovers have been saying that for a couple of years. Big pressure on them. Yeah. It's, it's 16 points a title race then? No. Because Aberdeen will like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Not Maybe might, they could potentially get in about the playoffs, but nah. Looks like top five. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, League two, it's looking more and more like a two horse race um, between Cove and Edinburgh, who both won again at the weekend. Um, and breaking still maroons at the bottom. It's looking as though they could well be facing a relegation battle for the third season running. Yeah, their form's slightly better than Stenhouse Muir's right enough. Um, they're only a couple of points behind Stenny, so that's a bit precarious for them as well. They'll be wanting to try and turn that down soon. Yeah. The other news in that league was Ray McKinnon taking the Queen's Park job. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a shock appointment. Um, Maybe move somewhere else by now, mind you, but uh, <laughs> you'd be there four days ago. 
Ja, der er en for meget. Man mener, det er spurgt morgen. Det er simpelthen for bare ambassen, jeg ved, når jeg kunne spørge. Jeg ved, hvorfor så mente det, så er sådan en stop i en amateur for det første, men der har stedet. Det går ahead til the development of Wessel Hamden as well, which is got to be good news for them. So, yeah, if I point some of Ray McKinnon as manager, then they're looking to go places. It's just funny though. I mean, the, the 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 name of Queens Park is so is so massive that they're still the third most successful team in the, the Scottish Cup. Mm-hmm. That was, <laughs> that was one of my one of my favourite games uh, doing for Sky uh, was was Queens Park against Rangers when they when they met in in the league. And I think there were thirty six or thirty eight thousand at, at Hamden, but we we did so much of the the build up uh, on Queens Park and got we got an interview with. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, obviously with his connections between the two clubs, and and I don't he didn't know what the interview was about, and Jeff Shreves turned up to do it, and Fergie sort of sat down just thinking, oh this is going to be right, who's fit for the weekend? I don't think Man United were doing that well at the time, so he's maybe a little bit prickly, and Jeff's first question to him just went, he just said, so Rangers against Queens Park, what does that fixture mean to you? And Fergie's face, it, it, like it just, he lit up, and he, we had all these pictures of him as as a 16 year old kid making his debut for for Queens Park, and he, and he almost became the wee boy again. It was it was, it was <laughs> such a it was a lovely lovely feature at the Boys Cup, really really nice. Yeah, I think that was the season where um, United last won the league. Actually, it was the season he retired. He just maybe. Um, He's good at remembering, you know. He's he's past Ferguson. Um, you know, he's always been a man that um, goes back to his roots. So yeah, no doubt that the Queen's part would have um, let him up a good bit there. See on the back of that, Rory, you mentioned that was one of the kind of favourite games you kind of covered. But have you got a favourite game you've covered or a favourite stadium that you've commentated at? Oof, uh, I think I think the best game. Uh, that I've done was the Hibs five Rangers five uh, <laughs> at the at the end of a couple of seasons. I mean that was just that was just ridiculous. You didn't know where that game was going. So Hibs, Hibs went three nil up, and I think they had to win four nil to get above Rangers in the table. And then so that stage six. of thinking, oh, was it six? All right, yeah. okay. So you're you're thinking, oh, you know, this is the the impossible is possible. And then Rangers came back. Well, they they were five three up, so to score five unanswered goals, and then. Uh, is it McLaren get the get the last minute equaliser to get his hat trick and Neil Lennon did the helicopter and all that? <laughs> it was or the aeroplane. Uh, it, yeah, it was just that was that was a, a ridiculous game, unbelievable. Um, and favourite stadium? Um, no, maybe have a wee think about that. Zenit St Petersburg was that was pretty cool, but they they didn't have their their ultras weren't in they were on a, a stadium ban uh, so that was a wee bit quieter than it should be you obviously um, would be well well fed in uh, some of your trips what's the best pie that you've had at a football match ah you bet I never before I did oh, <laughs> I was gonna yes. ask that question. I'm pretty sure we asked Derek the same question he was on a few years ago <laughs> yeah try, I'm trying not to be obvious and, uh, and say Kilmarnock um, I, I, I do like a four for Brady. Does that count as a pie? Mm, yeah, probably not. Have you tried, that, uh... That's one of my my, my friends um, that go to many away games. 
their favourite uh, uh, trip is always East End Park for pretty much that reason because it's, they, that's what they get the, the Forfar Brady's but don't really get to play Forfar much yeah. um, but certainly in Dunfermline they, they've, they've always sold them yeah. Forfar's ones are better than Dunfermline's from my experience um, I've only been to Forfar once but um, but yeah I particularly like that I would agree with there Rory <laughs> See when you go abroad what kind of food do you get at games? Oh it depends it depends I think when we're over in Rosenborg and you know the the sort of halftime snacks are you know like prawn cocktails and smoked salmon and things like that. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, some sometimes you're not fed at all. Other times it's 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 pretty much a slap up three course meal. It just it just completely depends. Newcastle three course meal at halftime. Well, no, no, before the game. <laughs> Newcastle, Newcastle, the food down there was really good. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they could have boxes down there. Unfortunately, just in a stadium tour, but they look pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> this might be relevant because one of the best um, f- food I've ever had in a stadium was the hot dogs in Copenhagen. So we still have to go back here in the, in, in the new year, oh, in, well, in the new year, and when they go there, um, look out for the hot dogs. I thought they were yeah. tremendous. Sounds good. It's still my thing to do. I want to pitch an idea to TV to do a tour of stadiums around the world and half time food. Why not? Why not? I'm I'm free. Right, okay. We'll, <laughs> you and me, we'll do it. We'll pitch it to someone. <laughs> You've got a bit, a bit more say so than me. But I. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a good excuse to go and travel around the world watching football as well while getting fed. Exactly. I mean, two, two of my favourite things. Yep. Right, we've got to ask it since you've done a lot of traveling. What's your favourite beer? Oh, favourite beer. Uh, that is a good question. Uh, I had a great one up in Bar Harbour in the States. My partner's from uh, from uh, the east coast of the States, and I always thought going over that, it, that the Americans didn't know how to make beer, and then you go into the the bars in New England and, and that kind of northeast corner and you know there's there's twenty on tap and they're all amazing. There was one there was one up in Bar Harbor that was really good. It was I think it was just the, the Bar Harbor um mm-hmm. pale ale. That was that was superb. I'm think I'm thinking that one right now. But there there is a long list of uh, many that I've probably forgotten as the night's worn on. Uh, you've obviously had a bit of travel with um, the Tartan Army as well. What's your favourite um, Tartan Army trip? Uh, I would say, well, I was in I was in Paris for the the obvious one 0 win. Um, that was pretty good. Oslo away years ago when we lost. I mean, the game was game was the worst. Or one of the worst. There's been quite a few. Mm-hmm. Game was awful, but Oslo as a as a trip was brilliant. Just we had we had a really good good sort of group of us together and that. Uh, but I think probably the best one was uh, Croatia a few years ago. And it was one of the first games under Gordon Strachan. Mm-hmm. Robert Snodgrass uh, got. Uh, I mean, I think we had one shot and goal. Um, mm-hmm. But that was that was a really cool trip. I like I I love traveling as well. The 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 game is a, is as much of of the, the experiences as the travel and, and meeting all the locals and things. Actually, do you know what Albania um, last season? I loved that because it felt, it felt like traveling um, as maybe guys did in the kind of early nineties and, and going to far flung places. Whereas a lot of the time now, you know, you're, you're turning up to 
you know, a, a modern perfect stadium and the atmospheres aren't always great and you're, you're in you're just, so many big major cities are, are very very similar whereas travelling to Albania was that was something quite different that was quite cool yeah I know exactly what you mean by that because I went to Donetsk in 2004 um, sadly not something you can do now um, because yeah. Shakhtar don't play there at the moment due to the the issues in the, the country, but um, this was, I think this was before the Donbass Arena was built as well, so um, it was like a, their old stadium, um, and just the, it was such a fantastic little city, um, and completely different from anything I'd experienced before, so yeah. it, was, it was really nice to be able to see that, and like I say, it's such a shame I think um, what's happened there in the recent years. I know, that's, that's why I quite, like, I quite like doing these Europa League games, because you maybe it takes you away from the big capital cities and the big traditional places maybe that you would generally go to to watch football you get you get to some some quite interesting parts of the world that maybe you wouldn't go to and that's the same with traveling with scotland you know been to all all over europe to places that maybe you wouldn't necessarily holiday in yeah if you get something on the bucket last that you'd like to see scotland play apart from a middle tournament um i mean i've always wanted to go to the bombardera which is a fairly obvious choice, but that, yeah. that would, and I just saw a thing on Twitter. They, they, I think they're building a new stadium, so I don't know um, how long I've got left to actually go there. But that would that would be the one stadium if I was to pick one. Um, I mean, to see Scotland play somewhere, yeah, I think it. I think it just would be at a major tournament, but not at Hamden. <laughs> that's why, that's why <laughs> for this for this, you know, if we, it would be like either it would be typical that. If we were to get to a major tournament, it would either be one that's in Glasgow or that's in Qatar that's a dry state. <laughs> it would be the <laughs> Scottish thing ever. I couldn't care less if it was the moon that was the next one we got to, as long as Scotland <laughs> gets a major tournament. Um, Just uh, like what you've had charged for ticket prices for that. Oof, I know. If it was in the moon, it's bad enough <laughs> that some of the places are already. Yeah, it's a different planet altogether. Um, Which is. What's your travel partner? That's where you go. <laughs> <laughs> Day trip to the moon. What <laughs> button, man? Um, <laughs> one other thing I just want to mention just before um, we wrap up the, the podcast. Um, with the charity game we've got coming up on the 28th of March, we're back on site. Um, I want to announce that um, two players that are definitely confirmed and a manager that's confirmed. So, Phil Maguire... Um, We'll be playing for the Aberdeen side again as he did in the last game organised. And Barry Smith um, will play for the Celtic team. That's two guys that we've announced. Uh, hopefully we'll roll out more out in weeks to come. And I'm pleased to say that Willie Garner will be managing the Aberdeen team again. Um, and I just hope he gives me the same advice as he did last time. <laughs> which is <laughs> F off, which is F off up the other end of the park out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and take a penalty. <laughs> We should have tickets ready quite soon for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the charity game—they have been made up. They just need to be printed and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Just before we finish up, um, one final sort of two sides of the coin question for for the, um Can I touch on it earlier about perceived allegiances? Do you get much? bother from people saying oh, you're biased towards Celtic or biased towards Rangers or biased towards somebody um, I know Ian Crocker seems to get it quite a lot 
um, over on Sky. But on the other side of that coin, do you get lots of people coming up to say, oh, I love that commentary, I love that commentary, and quoting it back to you? I know, like, again, this is something that like, Ian Crocker's probably, but to me, he's most famous for his Henrik Larson, that is sensational spiel um, for the for when he scored that chip over Stefan Kloss in the 6-2 game. Um, so do you get anything like that yourself? Yeah, Crocs has, Crocs has had a lot of memorable lines over the years. Um, and, and from the, the sort of people quoting them back to me, not in person as much. It's happened a wee bit of late, I think, just because I've had a few few of the bigger games and, you know, like the late late goals, uh, Lazio game, both Lazio games, really, and and the uh, the League Cup final that's just happened. So it's probably probably a thing that's that's come to me a bit recently. I got I got a wee bit with the McGregor goal against Zenit as well. Um, but in terms of uh, you, you get me, you get a few people suggesting that maybe you weren't neutral, but not not much to be honest. Uh, I thought I kind of thought going into it, I would I would get a bit more, and particularly doing an Old Firm Cup final. Mm. Um, but I. No, I'm generally, generally pretty positive. You, you obviously get get the odd one or two that wishes you'd said something different, but yeah, you, you can't you can't please everyone. But if, if I do tend to think like if if you are if you, if you are neutral and you come across that way, then then you, you can't go too far wrong. Does it help that you've got um, Sutton and Ray to take the pressure off you in that way? Because they're more likely to get the um, the targets. <laughs> yeah, good point, actually. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe that does help quite a lot. And Alex Ray's cap as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, well, I think um, unless the other boys have other questions, I think that's um, pretty much us done and. Thank you very much, Rory, for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, thanks, you boys. On. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's been good fun. And you're welcome to come on again any other time. Good stuff. Thank you very much. And if you can persu- persuade the the rest of the BT guys, come on. I noticed uh, Stephen Craig and liked the the tweet as well, so uh, he would be good as well. I think he'd be good banner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Nice. Yeah, he's good chat, Stephen. Yeah. I really good listen to you and. Thanks for answering all our questions. Oh, good stuff. No, thanks a lot. Good to good to good to meet you. I'm sure I'll if if I'm at a game, then I'll come up and say hi. Well, I'll I'll probably end up bumping into you at Hamden on okay. the 26th uh, March. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. See you and there, then then and then and then either Serbia or Norway. <laughs> uh, if the two of you are meeting at Wembley, that will do me. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Anyway, cheers everyone. Cheers guys. Thanks. Thanks.